Sweet Honesty by Jane McBride. This is a story based on a true experience. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7, it says, Do that which is honest. See if you think this little girl does the honest thing. I need you to watch your baby brother, Mama said. Your pa and I are going to help someone who is sick. I looked up from sweeping the floor of our small house and nodded. Mama was a Relief Society president, and she often went to visit sisters in our ward. Thank you, Arlan, Mama said, kissing the top of my head. John's asleep, and there's bread dough rising on the counter. Please don't touch it. I watched through the doorway as she and Pa rode the wagon down the, our dusty road. I felt proud that Mama trusted me. As I swept the kitchen, I stopped to look at the bread dough. I could hardly wait for Mama to bake it tonight. Usually we ate the fresh bread with homemade jam but we had run out of jam three months ago. Jam! That thought made me hungry for something sweet. I glanced at the sugar jar high up on the shelf. I knew Mama was saving it to make more jam. But the more I thought about the sugar, the hungrier I felt. Finally, I pulled a chair up to the counter and reached up, up. My fingers just barely, barely touched the jar of sugar. I pulled it closer to the edge of the shelf. And then... <gasps> The jar slipped right off the shelf. I tried to catch it, but it fell with a loud plop right in the middle of the bread dough. Sugar spilled all over the bread and the counter and onto the floor. Oh no, I yelled. That woke my baby brother up. He started crying. I wanted to cry too. What would Mama say about this mess? After I got John calmed down, I did my best to clean up the sugar. I pulled the jar out of the dough and washed it. I wiped the sugar off the counter and floor, but there was nothing I could do to get the sugar out of the dough. I thought about putting the jar back on the shelf, Maybe Mama wouldn't notice it was empty. But I knew that wasn't right. So I set the jar on the table and waited for Mama and Pa to come home. When they got home, Mama noticed the sugar jar right away. I took a deep breath. I just wanted to taste of sugar, but I knocked the jar off the shelf. I tried to clean it up, but I couldn't get it out of the 
bread dough. The words rushed out as I looked down at the floor. Mama was quiet for a minute. I'm so sorry, I whispered. Mama let out a sigh. <sighs> well, I guess the bread will be extra sweet tonight, she said. I looked up. She gave me a smile. Thank you for telling us what happened. As we ate the sugary bread that night, Mama and Pa and I talked about honesty. We all make lots of mistakes in life, Pa said, but when we are honest and try to repent, Heavenly Father and Jesus are happy. We will always be blessed for being honest, even if it seems harder at first. I was still sad that I had spilled the sugar. I knew we probably wouldn't have as much jam this year because of my mistake. But I was glad I had told the truth. That was a sweet feeling no amount of sugar could give. President Nelson said, Keeping divine commandments bring blessings every time. Breaking divine commandments bring a loss of blessings every time. The Missing Coat by Sheila Kennard. This is based on a true story. In Doctrine and Covenants section 64 verse 10, the Lord said, I, the Lord, will forgive whom I will forgive, but of you... It is required to forgive all men. Mom, my coat is gone, Brad said. It was time to go home from church, but Brad couldn't find his coat on the rack. Are you sure that's where you hung it up, Mom asked. Yes, it was right here. Brad's coat was bright blue and red. It was hard to miss. Maybe it got moved. Let's look around the building, Dad said. Mom, Dad, and Brad split up to check different rooms. They looked in the lost and found box in the chapel, in Brad's classroom, in the primary room, and on every coat rack. They even looked in the bathrooms, but they didn't find the coat. Somebody probably took it by accident. I'm sure they'll return it next week as soon as they realize it isn't theirs, Dad said. In the meantime, you can wear your old coat, Mom said. Brad frowned. He didn't like his old coat. It was thin, faded, and too small for him. He loved how his new red and blue coat made him look like a superhero. Somebody probably saw how cool my coat is and stole it, Brad thought. How could that happen at church? Everyone there was supposed to be honest. Brad wouldn't let that robber get away with it. He had a plan. Next Sunday, he would watch carefully to see who was wearing his coat. Then he would snatch it back and yell, Stop! 
thief. They would be sorry they ever took it. Brad hardly wait, could hardly wait for Sunday to carry out his plan, but the next Sunday was too warm for coats, and so was the next Sunday after that. The Sunday after that, Brad looked around suspiciously at all the boys in primary, wondering who stole his coat. Was it that tall boy, or maybe it was a girl? He felt like he couldn't trust anyone. Brad didn't like that feeling. After church, Brad hurried around the building watching families put on their coats, but he didn't see his coat anywhere. He even checked the lost and found box again, but no coat. Where could it be? On the way home, Brad thought of a new plan. He would pray. He knew Heavenly Father could find lost things. That night, Brad prayed and said, Heavenly Father, please tell me who took my coat. I want it back. Brad waited for the robber's name or face to come to mind, but instead, he started thinking about his friend Carl. Brad usually sat by Carl in primary they joked and laughed together a lot, but Carl hadn't been to church in a few weeks. Brad missed him. What if Carl had taken his coat? Maybe Carl was afraid to come to church now because he thought Brad wouldn't be his friend anymore. Brad wanted Carl to come to church again. If Carl had taken his coat, Brad decided he wouldn't yell at him. He would forgive him. Brad climbed into bed, feeling better. The next Sunday in primary, Carl wasn't there, but a new boy was. He was wearing a red and blue striped tie. Cool tie, Brad said, sitting by the new boy. It makes you look like a superhero. The boy smiled. Brad smiled too. He wasn't looking for robbers anymore. He was looking for friends. A Temple for Italo Based on a true story Italo couldn't wait to go inside someday. Italo was excited for the Ward Temple trip. They were going to the Recife Brazil Temple. It was 15 hours away. Italo, his older brother Enrique, and their parents left early in the morning. As they rode along, Italo kept thinking about something Mom had told him. This year, you can see how beautiful the temple is from the outside, she said. Next year, you'll be old enough to see how beautiful it is on the inside. Italo hadn't been to any temple before, but he had been watching the new temple being built in Fortaleza, where his family lived. It was amazing. They stopped for lunch. Italo had his favorite black bean stew with rice. While he ate, he kept thinking about the temple. When the temple in Fortaleza 
was finally dedicated, it would be a temple his family could visit over and over again. They wouldn't have to drive so far. The sun was setting when Atalo and his family arrived at the temple in Recife. How beautiful, he said. He couldn't stop smiling. The next morning, Mom showed Atalo where he would be waiting with his friends from the ward. Even though you can't go inside the temple yet, she said, pay attention to the special spirit you can feel while you're on the temple grounds. Then the rest of Atalo's family went inside the temple. Members of the ward sat with Atalo and the other children on the grass near the temple. They read stories from the Book of Mormon together. Reading scriptures is a good way to get ready for the temple, Atalo thought. He felt calm and safe. Mom's right, he thought. There is a special feeling here. Then the adults took Atalo and the other children for a walk around the temple grounds. That's when Atalo noticed the words over the entrance to the temple. Holiness to the Lord. The house of the Lord, they said. No wonder I feel so peaceful here, he thought. This is God's house. When the temple trip was over, Italo and his family returned home. He wanted to remember how he had felt at the temple. Hmm, what could he do? Sometimes Italo felt he could draw his feelings better than he could write about them. So he drew a picture of the temple. Then he showed it to mom and dad. This will remind me of where I want to go, he said. He kept the picture in his room where he could look at it each day. I want to be ready, he said, because I want to go inside some day. More Important Than Basketball by Elder Brian K. Taylor of the Seventy When I was 11 years old, I loved basketball. My oldest brother loved it too. He played on the basketball team in college. He had to decide whether to serve a mission or keep playing on the team. One night at dinner, he was talking with our family about whether or not to serve a mission. I just blurted out, If you go on a mission, I'll go on a mission. Everyone was silent as my brother thought about what I said. My brother did decide to go on a mission. In fact, all four of my brothers served missions. When it was time for me to decide whether or not to serve, it wasn't a question. I had already made that choice. Someone else who loved basketball helped me prepare for my mission too. His name was Devin Durant. He was one of my teammates in college. He became my hero. 
He asked me if I knew what it felt like to make the winning shot at a, in a basketball team. I said, yes. Then he said, it's great, but it can't compare to how you, you'll feel when you teach the, and baptize somebody on your mission. I never forgot that. Through these great examples in my life, Heavenly Father showed me that His work was more important than basketball. What matters most is living the gospel of Jesus Christ so we can live with Heavenly Father again. And this is an activity that you can do. Missionary basketball. Play this game to practice sharing the gospel. First, cut out the squ some squares of paper and crumple them into balls. Set a bowl at the end of the table. Then, take turns shooting the balls into the bowl. When a ball lands in the bowl, open the paper and read the question. Practice answering it as if you were talking to someone who wants to learn more about the church. So, on the pieces of paper, before you crumple them up, write questions like, What church do you go to? Are you a Christian? Who is Joseph Smith? What is the Book of Mormon? Do you believe in the Bible? Why do you believe in God? So when you open up the crumpled up papers after you've thrown them into one into the bowl, you can answer that question the best that you can. Sounds like a fun activity. Anxious but all right. Not all unhappy feelings are because of bad choices. This story is by Kristen Smith. As soon as the bell rang, Lincoln started walking to the parking lot as fast as he could. He couldn't wait to get home from school. He stood on his tiptoes, looking at all the buses and cars in the pickup lane. Classmates rushed by him laughing and talking, but Lincoln didn't feel like joining them. He prayed that his mom would soon get, the, get there. Finally, he saw their blue minivan. Hi, buddy, Mom said as the van door slid open. Lincoln climbed in and pulled the door shut. All the noise went quiet. It was like he had clicked the mute button on the TV remote. Lincoln sighed with relief. The quiet felt so good. How was your day? Mom asked. Instead of answering, Lincoln started to cry. Mom looked at him in the rearview mirror. Uh-oh, what happened? She said. Are you okay? Did you get hurt? Lincoln wanted to answer, but his throat felt tight. Even if he could talk, he didn't know what to say. I don't know, he finally mumbled. You don't know why you're crying, Mom asked. Lincoln shrugged. 
I feel worried and nervous and scared, and I don't even know why. He cried harder, glad that he didn't have to hold it in anymore. It sounds like you are feeling a little bit anxious, Mom said. Sometimes I feel like that, too. You do? Lincoln asked, wiping his cheeks with his sleeve. Yeah, for me, it happens when I'm tired or I've been around a lot of people without a break. Lincoln nodded. That sounded like his day today. He was glad he wasn't the only one who felt this way sometimes. But there was still something he didn't understand. At church, I learned that when we choose the right, we feel good inside, Lincoln said. I don't think I did anything bad today, but I feel terrible. Mom looked at him with a smile. Our feelings can be funny like that. Not all unhappy feelings are because of bad choices. There are lots of reasons we can feel unhappy or anxious. Sometimes we don't even know why we feel the way we do. Lincoln thought about that during the rest of the drive. He was glad his anxious feelings weren't because of something he did wrong. When they got home, they said a prayer together and asked Heavenly Father for help. Then, Mom helped him figure out some things he could try to do to feel better. First, Lincoln got a nice cool drink of water. Then, he played with his toys for a while. After that, he read a few chapters of a book he had gotten for his birthday. Pretty soon, his body felt more relaxed. The nervous thoughts weren't racing through his brain anymore. <clears throat> Lincoln thanked Heavenly Father for helping him feel better and learn more about his feelings. He could use the ideas he had learned next time he felt anxious, too. Things were going to be okay. Writing to the Rescue by Carolyn Colton Based on a true story This is going to be great, Sterling said as he looked out the truck window. The sun was just rising over the horizon. The rain stretched as far as he could see, full of sagebrush, a few twisted cedar trees, and one lonely cabin. Yay, his friend Glenn said back. I can't wait to ride the range with Marcus and eat his famous sourdough biscuits, Sterling said. Sterling's dad drove up to the cabin and parked the truck. He was dropping them off to help Marcus with their family's cattle. The boys ran to the cabin as the 70-year-old cowherder walked out, smiling big. A cowboy hat covered his head. Here are my cow hands, Marcus said. I was starting to think you wouldn't make it. I'm sure glad to see you. Marcus spoke a few minutes with Sterling's dad, then waved as the dust settled behind the truck. Marcus fed them breakfast, delicious sourdough biscuits, eggs, 
and bacon. Then they saddled up their horses and began riding the range, looking for cattle who were wandering. They set out big blocks of salt for the cattle to lick so they would be healthy. After lunch, they rode under the cloudless sky to a far corner of the range. It was hot and dusty, so Marcus led them to a spring of water to have a drink of, to cool off. Soon they were ready to get back to work. <clears throat> but as Marcus swung his leg over his horse, his sharp spurs accidentally hit the horse under the tail. Yikes! The horse bucked and threw Marcus to the ground on top of a big rock. Marcus screamed in pain. Marcus! yelled Glenn. Are you okay? said Sterling. I can't move, Marcus groaned. Then he, his eyes closed. He had passed out. The boys looked at each other. Their eyes were wide. What, what, what should we do? said Sterling. We need to find someone to help us, said Glenn. He needs a doctor. Sterling and Glenn were scared. They were miles and miles away from other people and didn't have phones to call for help. They didn't even know exactly where they were. I'll be right back, Sterling said. He walked around a pile of rocks, knelt in the dirt, and bowed his head. Heavenly Father, Marcus is really hurt, and we don't know how to help. Please, let me know what to do. Sterling heard a clear voice in his head. Ride north. He hurried back to Glenn and Marcus. I'm going to find help he said to Glenn. You stay here with Marcus. Glenn looked relieved. Sterling climbed on his horse and started riding north. After about an hour of nothing but sky and sagebrush, he saw a cloud of dust in the distance. A truck was coming slowly across the range. Sterling galloped to the truck and waved it down. It was two sheep herders looking for their lost sheep. Sterling told them about Marcus. The sheepherders knew where the spring was and drove right to Marcus and Glenn. They carefully lifted Marcus into the back of the truck and drove him to the hospital. Sterling and Glenn took the horses back to Marcus's cabin and waited for their parents to pick them up. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Sterling prayed quietly. Thank you for helping us help Marcus. A few months later, Sterling saw Marcus after his broken bones had healed. There's my brave, smart cowhand, Marcus said. Thanks for saving my life with your quick thinking. Sterling smiled. He was glad Marcus was okay. It wasn't me, he said. 
I was just following Heavenly Father's directions. Kelly's Prayer This story took place in Malaysia and is based on a true story. Kelly and her mom walked up to the church building and looked around. It was beautiful, with palm trees swaying outside. The sign on the building said, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in two different languages, Malay and Chinese. Kelly didn't know much about Jesus Christ, and she had never been to church before. Her mom's friend, Lisa, went to church here. She had invited Kelly and her mom to come with her. As they went inside, people smiled and said hello. Everyone was so nice. Kelly and Mom followed Lisa upstairs to a big room. Lisa said it was called a chapel. Kelly sat down next to Mom and Lisa in a row of chairs, and soon church started. She listened to the music. She liked how it made her feel, even though she didn't know the words. At the end of the meeting, a woman got up to say a prayer. Kelly looked around as everyone else folded their arms and closed their eyes. She still felt something really good inside. What was it? It felt different than anything she had felt before. As they left the church later, Kelly told Mom about the feeling she had had during the prayer. Well, Mom said, I didn't really feel anything special. But Kelly kept thinking about how she'd felt at church. She had liked the prayer, and she had liked hearing about Jesus. Can the missionaries teach me? Kelly asked Mom. I want to learn more. That should be fine, Mom said. The missionaries taught Kelly how to pray and how to read the scriptures. They taught her about Jesus and how he loves us. They gave her a small picture of Jesus to help her think about him. Kelly liked what she was learning. One day, the missionaries gave her a special challenge. Will you try to pray during the week? They asked. Up until now, Kelly had only prayed with the missionaries, but she wanted to try it on her own. She knew Heavenly Father was always listening, and he wanted to hear from her. I'll do it, she promised. The next day at school was a special one. Kelly was going to sing in a competition. She had learned a beautiful new Chinese song. Learning all the notes and tones had been hard work. She had practiced and practiced and practiced. Now that it was time to perform, Kelly was nervous. She pulled out the picture of Jesus she had put in the pocket of her school uniform that morning. She decided to say a prayer like the missionaries had shown her. Heavenly Father, please help me let go of my nervousness, she prayed.
In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Then Kelly stepped out onto the stage. She stared at the audience and the judges. She thought about the picture of Jesus in her pocket and felt a little bit better. She took a deep breath and started to sing. She sang all the words just like she'd practiced. As she sang the last note and took a bow, Kelly knew Heavenly Father had heard her prayer and helped her. With a smile, Kelly walked off the stage. She couldn't wait to tell the missionaries about what had happened. She wanted to keep praying every day. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 in the New Testament, we read, Be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Elder Gary B. Sabian tells this story about his son. No one was left out. My son Justin grew up with a difficult disease. Sometimes he was very weak. He couldn't always do things like everyone else, even though he tried. He knew what it felt like to be different. One day, Justin and his friends got together to play a game. They had to hit a ball with their arms to keep it in the air. One of the girls who came to play had a broken arm. It would have been easy to say, Okay, we're all playing and she's just going to watch. But instead, Justin said, I have a great idea. We're all going to play with one arm. Everybody played the game using just one arm, including the girl who was wearing the cast. No one was left out. Justin is my hero. He always looks at other people and thought. He always looked at other people and thought, how do they feel? Justin was sick for most of his life, but he was happy because he helped other people and followed Jesus Christ. We all have challenges, but we have so much to be happy about. Do what you can. Trust God. The greatest happiness comes not from focusing on yourself, but from focusing on others. In the Doctrine and Covenants section 84, verse 35, we read that Jesus said, They who receive this priesthood receive me, saith the Lord. The name of this story is Awesome, and this is based on a true story by Jane McBride. Robert put on his first ever suit. He went to the bathroom and looked in the mirror. He adjusted his tie and made sure his white shirt was tucked in right. He went to find Mom. Do I look okay? he asked. You look very grown up, Mom said. Her voice did that thing it always did before she started to cry. Like 
She just swallowed a spoonful of peanut butter. Aw, oh, Mom, don't cry. Robert, Robert patted Mom awkwardly on the shoulder. <clears throat> Mom wiped her eyes. I just can't believe you're old enough to receive the priesthood. Ready? Dad called. We don't want to be late. Robert was so excited he could hardly sit still in the car, but he sat reverently during the sacrament. He watched the deacons pass the trays of bread and water. Next week, that will be me, he thought. Robert had done a lot to prepare for today. He had read in his scriptures about the priesthood, especially section 20 of the Doctrine and Covenants. On Monday, Mom and Dad gave a special family home evening about the priesthood. And last week, the bishop had interviewed him to make sure he was worthy and ready to receive the priesthood. He knew he was ready, but he was still a little nervous. After the meeting, Robert, Mom, and Dad went to the bishop's office. Robert sat in a chair in the middle. He took a deep breath as Dad and the other priesthood holders gathered around him. Their hands felt heavy and warm on the top of his head. He closed his eyes. Dad started out with Robert's full name. Usually Dad only used Robert's middle name when he was in trouble, but Robert knew this time it was special. He listened carefully as Dad conferred on him the Aaronic Priesthood and ordained him to the office of a deacon. He said Robert would be blessed if he honored the priesthood and kept his covenants. Afterward, Robert shook hands with everyone and gave Mom and Dad a hug. Mom was crying again, but Robert didn't really mind. Holding the priesthood is a sacred privilege, Dad said as they left the bishop's office. Do you know how we have the Aaronic Priesthood today? Joseph Smith got it from John the Baptist, Robert said. Yes, and do you know who sent John the Baptist to Joseph Smith? Mom asked. Uh, Robert frowned. I'm not sure. He was sent by Peter, James, and John, and they received their priesthood authority from Jesus Christ, Mom said. Wait. So, it's like I got the priesthood from Jesus, Robert asked. That's right, said Dad. Robert's eyes widened. It was hard to find a word special enough to say how he felt. That's so awesome. It really is awesome, Dad said. He pulled something out of his pocket. You can keep this with you to always remember to remind you that the priesthood is Jesus Christ's power. Power. He handed Robert a small picture of Jesus. Robert stared down at it. Suddenly, he felt very small. Jesus Christ's power. Hmm, that's a big responsibility. But you know what that means, Dad asked. Heavenly Father and Jesus love and trust you enough to give you 
their power. They know you can honor the priesthood. But how do I honor it? Robert asked. Mom smiled. By serving others and doing your best to follow Jesus. Dad pulled Robert into a hug. We are so proud of you. Robert felt like the Holy Ghost was giving him a hug, too. He smiled as he tucked the picture of Jesus in his wallet. He would always carry it with him so he could remember to honor the priesthood. President Russell M. Nelson said, It is a sacred trust to bear the priesthood, which is the mighty power and authority of God. Tortillas and Amigas by Lindsay Stephen Tanner and Marissa Dennis. This story is based on a true story. If you want a friend, you must show that you care. Adriana didn't know what to do. She wanted to play with her twin sister, Diana. But Diana had gone to buy food at the store with Mama. Adriana sighed. The house felt empty. She wished she had gone with them. Adriana decided to visit her neighbor, Margarita. Margarita's kids were all grown up. And she was like an abuela to Adriana. They always had lots of fun together. Adriana went outside. The hot sun shone down on her as she walked to Margarita's house. She poked her head inside the door. Margarita, are you home? See, si, I'm in the cocina. Margarita called. Adriana walked in. Margarita was sitting at the kitchen table with her head down. Buenos tardes, Adriana, said Margarita. She looked up, up and gave a small smile, but she seemed sad. Is something wrong? asked Adriana. Margarita sighed. Oh, nothing you need to worry about. How can I help her feel better? Adriana thought. Margarita always seemed happy when they cooked together. May I help you make tortillas? I just finished making some, said Margarita. She lifted a cloth napkin to show a stack of tortillas. Then may I help you eat tortillas? Adriana asked with a grin. Margarita laughed. Ha ha, of course. Let me just heat up some frijoles to go with them. Adriana stood by Margarita at the stove and stirred black refried beans in a pot. When the beans were done, she carried them to the mesa. Margarita brought the tortillas and the queso to the table, too. Adriana took a warm tortilla and spread beans over it. Then she sprinkled the cheese on top. It looks delicioso, 
Adriana couldn't wait to take a bite, and there was something she wanted to do first. May I please say a prayer? Adriana asked Margarita. Sure. Adriana closed her eyes and folded her arms. Padre Celestial, we thank thee for this food. Please bless it to make us healthy and strong. And please help Margarita with whatever she needs. I'm glad she's my friend. In the name of Jesucristo, amen. Adriana opened her eyes. Margarita had a big smile, a real smile this time. While they ate, they talked about school and football and books. Adriana loved talking to Margarita. When they finished eating, Adriana gave Margarita a big abrazo. Thank you for the snack. I had a great time. Margarito hugged Adriana back. Thank you, Adriana. I needed a friend today. Adriana beamed. I'm glad we're amigas. I'm glad we're friends too, Margarita said. Why don't you take the rest of these tortillas home? I'm so full. Adriana skipped all the way back to her casa. She felt full, too, and not just from the tortillas. She was full of friendship from head to toe. Heavenly Father Knows You by Sister Christina B. Franco Every Sunday in a small town in Argentina, a group of people met under a tree to read the scriptures and learn about the gospel. Some of the people were members of the church, but many of them hadn't been baptized, and they really wanted to be. They had a problem, though. They lived far away from other towns. No church leaders had come to visit their town for some time. Then they heard that some missionaries were in a town about four hours away. They all gave money so one man could buy a bus ticket to the town where the missionaries were. When he got there, he waited at the bus station. He thought that would be the best place to find the missionaries. After a few hours, he saw two young men. They were the missionaries. He told them about the people in his town. So, the missionaries and the mission president planned a trip to meet these people. On the day that the mission president and the missionaries came, many people gathered together to meet them. Now those who hadn't been baptized yet could get baptized. After they heard the missionary lessons, they were ready. The closest river was very far away, so they pumped water from a well and filled up a portable swimming pool. It took three hours to fill the pool. In all, 
27 women, men, and children got baptized that day. They were filled with joy. Heavenly Father knew that these people wanted to be baptized, and he helped them find the missionaries. Heavenly Father also knows you. He knows where you are, and who you are, and what you need. He hears and answers your prayers. No matter how lonely you feel, he always is there. You are never alone. You can always turn to him. In the Book of Mormon, in Mosiah chapter 2, verse 17, we read about what King Benjamin told his people. He said, When ye are in the service of your fellow beings, ye are only in the service of your God. The name of this story is An, An Unbeatable Team by Jane McBride. And this is based on a true story. It was Saturday morning, and that meant basketball. Tyrell ran to the car. He was going to the church with Dad to watch him play his first game with a team from the ward. I bet you'll make a lot of baskets, Dad, Tyrell said. He could hardly wait to see it. Well, I'm kind of out of practice, but I'll do my best. Dad gave Tyrell a quick grin. Tyrell smiled back. You'll be the best player on the team. There was nothing Dad couldn't do. Last week, he'd even helped Tyrell build an Aztec temple with sugar cubes for a history project. Dad ruffled Tyrell's hair. Thanks, buddy. You can be my cheering section. Tyrell gave a big whoop and ran to the church door. As soon as they walked inside, Dad looked around and frowned. What's wrong? Tyrell asked. People should be here cleaning already, Dad said. Together, Dad and Tyrell walked up and down the halls and checked the classrooms. The only people they saw were the men gathering in the gym to play basketball. Dad said to one of them, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to be able to play. Tyrell and I need to take care of something else. What was Dad up to? Tyrell wondered. They walked to the janitor's closet. Change of plans, Dad said, opening the door. We're trading basketballs for brooms this morning. But what? What about your game? Tyrell asked. Sometimes you have to put aside your plans to do something that needs to be done. This is one of those times. Dad smiled at Tyrell. Are you with me? Yeah, Tyrell said. Even cleaning the church would be fun if he did it with Dad. Well, Let's have a prayer before we start, Dad said, and they both folded their arms. Father in heaven, 
We're grateful we can serve thee today. Please bless our efforts that they will be pleasing to thee. For the next few hours, Dad and Tyrell vacuumed, cleaned chalkboards, and wiped down windows. They set up chairs in the classrooms and emptied trash cans. Tyrell scrunched up his face when it was time to do the bathrooms. Sometimes he had to clean the bathroom at home, and he wasn't crazy about it. We're almost done, Dad said. Dad squirted cleaner in the sinks and toilets and scrubbed them while Tyrell mopped the floors and polished the mirrors. Finally, they carried out all the trash. Thanks for all your hard work, Dad said as they climbed back into the car. I couldn't have finished as fast without you. I am proud of you, son. Tyrell felt warm, warmth fill his chest. He'd been excited to watch Dad play, but teaming up with Dad was even better. Together, they were unbeatable. Let's think about your dad. Hmm, I know a special day is coming up soon. A day we celebrate all the dads, especially your dad. It's Father's Day. What's something that you could do that would help your dad know that you love him? Hmm. Funny Faces for Nathan by Brian Richards based on a true story. Cameron and Mom did everything together. They read stories. They played with blocks. They had fun. Then Nathan came. Nathan was Cameron's new baby brother. Nathan changed everything. Mom, Cameron said, can we go to the park? Not now, Mom said. She was trying to feed Nathan. Milk dribbled down Nathan's chin. Maybe later, Mom said. Right now, Nathan needs his nap. Mom used to spend all day with me, Cameron thought. Now she was always busy with Nathan. Nathan, Nathan, Nathan. A few days later, Mom needed to do the laundry. She asked Cameron to watch Nathan. Cameron didn't want to. He sat down slowly next to his brother. Soon, Nathan started crying. He wouldn't stop. Cameron wanted to call Mom. Then, he had an idea. He made a silly face. Nathan laughed. Mom came back in the room. Good, she said. Nathan's feeling better. I helped him stop crying, Cameron said. Thank you, Mom said. I like it when Nathan laughs, Cameron said. Mom smiled. And I like it when both of my boys are happy. 
I love you and Nathan. Now Cameron smiled. Mom loved him too. Cameron didn't feel sad anymore. The next day, Cameron helped Mom get Nathan dressed. He held Nathan. He sang to him. He patted his back. And when Nathan got tired, Cameron helped put him down for a nap. Cameron liked helping. It felt really good. Want to read a book while Nathan is sleeping? Mom asked. Yes, Cameron said. And can we read one when he wakes up? Having a little brother was turning out to be fun after all.